0: Welcome to the Venice Church Podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the lead pastor of Venice Church. We're so grateful that you would take time to lean into a teaching from one of our weekend worship gatherings. Each week, one of our pastors opens the Word of God with a relevant message in the hopes that you are inspired to live and love like Jesus. We invite you now to open your heart and mind and lean into the Word of God. I told you sometimes when God brings us into this room, it's it, it, it's it's for something, but you never know when it's gonna be or where it's gonna be or how it's gonna happen. Because God, it's not, church is not about preachers <laughs> and platforms and all the stuff. It's about being together with the body of Christ, and there's just something that, that God does in that, in that space. Come on. There's something that God does in that space, man. Well, to shift gears really hard and fast. Uh, if, if you came in late today, you, you missed something incredibly awesome and hilarious, Before we moved into worship today, during as a part of our pre-gathering, if if you missed it, if you missed it, you jumped in online maybe before or a little bit late, go back on demand this week and watch the conversation that Jasmine had with a bunch of the kids. Mainly, they're mainly staff kids and it hilarious. I love talking to kids. Why do we lose our filter? Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, I don't know. But just to have a conversation with kids. And the best part of that one is when they're talking, Jasmine's talking to uh, Christian and Aaron's kid. Christian's our worship pastor, our amazing worship pastor who does an awesome job for us every single week, weekend, week out, <laughs> bringing us into the throne room of God. He has two little girls, and in that conversation, they ask, Jasmine asks his oldest daughter, Lennon, what's your mom do for a job? And she says, she's a firefighter. <laughs> she is not a firefighter. Where in the world she got firefighters? Aaron, sign up, firefighting school tomorrow. That's what you're supposed to, to do with your life. But that triggered a memory in me because I had a similar experience growing up as a kid. And now, growing up as a kid, I, I spent most of my life in Sunday school. I didn't say Sunday school, I said Sunday school. Because I grew up in Sunday Sunday school in the South. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. And so When I was a little kid, we had, I don't know if it was for Father's Day or something like that, but we're in the Sunday school classroom, and they're going around, and the teacher is asking all the kids in the Sunday school class, what does daddy do for a living? Now remember, my dad is the pastor of the church. Easy now, I didn't say anything crazy, that crazy. So they're going around asking all the kids like little Sarah what does, what does your daddy do and, and Timmy what's your daddy do? They get to me and they say well Matthew because I was Matthew growing up as a little kid. Matthew now we know what your dad does but we're going to ask you anyway. Matthew what does your daddy do? And I said he works at Kmart. <laughs> now there's some people in the room thinking what the heck is Kmart? <laughs> See before y'all had Walmart we had Kmart and Roses and it was the jam. Testify. Come on. You ain't lived if you ain't hid a toy on the wrong aisle in roses at some point in your life. So you could come back when you had your allowance and make sure it was still there. You'd take the G.I. Joe and hide it under the sheets in the linen plate. Anyway, y'all are thinking, who is this pastor? But my, my dad was the pastor of the church. I don't, know, I don't know why I thought he worked at Kmart. Maybe we just blue light specials is how we had to roll back in the day because we didn't have a whole lot of money. It was, it was either Kmart or J.C. If it was J.C. Penney, if daddy got a raise. Okay, that was what it was. But it's just a reminder that, man, my whole life and about every memory I have is connected to the church. And I know that's not the case for everybody. And I'm grateful that my kids, the only only memory that Aiden and Lee, or the only church they've ever known, is Vintage. Because they were born right before we started this church. And so their their church experience hasn't been perfect, but it also hasn't been nearly as flawed as many of ours because see that when you when you encounter people you find a, a varying stories of people who ha- have been exposed to or grown up in the church and and they're all over the map for some of us and, and some of us are, it's a mixed bag isn't it we have some of the most beautiful awesome memories we have are from the church growing up in the church being involved in the church deviled eggs at the covered dish like church But then for many of us, some of the deepest wounds we have are connected to that very same institution. And for so many, without the church, you don't know where you would be with Jesus, that the church has been what it was supposed to be for you. It helped you understand who God is and what he has done and the relationship that you get to have with Jesus and all that it means. And for some of us, all of that beauty and power that is the plain and simple gospel has never gotten to you because the church was a place that pushed you away or wounded you in such a way that it caused you to withdraw from it. But the church is supposed to be this vehicle that has been entrusted with the message of Jesus. And we're supposed to be taking it to the world in such a way that people get curious and they want to know what's different about those who follow Jesus That we're not perfect, but there's something different because we have the mercy and grace of God. Come on, somebody. That there's something in us that gives us hope, that helps us to grow. But far too often, the church has been hijacked by the agenda of man and made it something that it was not supposed to be. And if you've been around vintage very long, you'll hear me say this frequently, that if you have a bad taste in your mouth for God's church, it's because you've never seen it the way he intended it to be. And this isn't new, man. Like, like most of the New Testament, most of the letters that we have in, in what we know as our New Testament, are they're just that. They're letters written by a guy named Paul trying to keep the church from morphing into something that it's not supposed to be. So we've been, we've been fighting against this trend from the onset of the movement, From the very beginning, people have tried to move into the church, and whether it be intentionally or just a misunderstanding of what Jesus desires for us, we've tried to hijack it and take it in a direction it wasn't supposed to be. And we've tried to add things to the gospel or take things away from the gospel, and when you do either, it's not good. And so Paul, this this guy who, who spent... A good portion of his life believing that the way to God was through the hoops of religion. That when on the other side of Easter, when this movement started to grow, he made it his mission to stop it because he was convinced that Jesus was not the way, that he knew the way. The way was jumping through the hoops of rules and regulations and tradition that God had given these rules and traditions to man and the only way to get to God was to walk the way of religion. But the good news is you didn't have to get to God because God came to us. That's the beauty of the gospel. See, religion has always been man's attempt to get to God. The gospel is about God coming to man and the beauty and power of Jesus and Paul was so convinced that it was jumping through the religious hoops that were necessary. But this is what they know. You know, the Pharisees, when they talk about following the law, they're not just talking about the Torah, those first five books of the Bible. They're not just talking about what God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. See, the Pharisees, over years and years and years and years, started to add more and more layers. They started to add more and more hoops to this thing. You with me? Say amen. They started manipulating the law and adding things to it. And, and the next thing you know, it just grew and grew through these oral traditions. And they believed, see, that, that just tells you they, they knew they had it wrong. Because what they kept doing was they would jump through the hoop and on the other side realize they weren't full. So let's find a new hoop to jump through. And the next thing you know, we keep jumping through the hoops and keeping all the rules, but we know, man, we know there's something missing in our hearts that we're longing to be connected to God because we were created by him and for him. And sin has separated us from him. And there's a gap between us and him. And all these rules and all this stuff that we know as the law was never intended to close that gap, only to help us understand that there was one. You with me? That the law, its intention, and Paul makes this clear in this letter, the law's intention was to show the gap. It couldn't close it. The only way to close the gap that exists between you and your heavenly father is the cross of Jesus Christ. The only solution to your sin is his sacrifice. The only way to be made righteous and holy enough to stand before almighty God is through the price that Jesus paid for your sin. No more, no less. And when when Paul begins to hear that these churches in this area of Galatia are starting to buy into something other than that, he can't take it. When he starts hearing that there's this new Jesus plus gospel, that people are coming in and saying, No, you gotta have Jesus, but you also gotta have circumcision. You gotta have Jesus and you gotta have all these different hoops. He he's had enough. And he begins to write this letter that we know as the book of Galatians to try to counteract all these improper things that are being added to the gospel. Because Jesus didn't come to free you from the prison of your past, only to put you in the confines of man-made religion. I'll say that again because I thought I'd get a little bit better reaction, even though I know you heard it before. That Jesus did not die to free you from your sin, only to put you in the confines of man-made religion. He died to set you free. Free, free. Not kind of free, sort of free. Free free that he has given us freedom that he has had the power in us to break every chain the chains of sin and addiction and anxiety and depression like all the chains in us he died to set us free from all those things so that from now until he comes back to take us to our permanent home we can live in the full abundant joyful life that he designed for us to have and from the moment of salvation until the moment he comes back or we die, he's working in us to help us step into who he created us to be. Y'all with me? Say amen. To help us. He didn't, he didn't come just for our salvation. He came for our transformation. He came to change us into the likeness of his son. He's working in us. See, some of us got saved, and we just holding on until Jesus comes back. Heaven is the reward. It's not the reason. See, there's a lot of us, we want Jesus because we don't want to go to hell. That's never going to be enough. Heaven is the reward. It's not the reason. He doesn't want you to pursue him in hopes that if you do, when you die, you'll go to heaven. He wants you to pursue him because he loves you. He created you. He formed you. He made you to live in community with him. Come on, get excited, somebody. He made you live in community with him, and Jesus has made that possible, and we walk in that freedom. But Paul also says be really careful because this freedom in Christ you now have, if you misuse it, look at me, if you abuse it, the freedom you found in Christ, if you misuse it, you will lose it. If you misuse your freedom, you'll end up back in chains. If you see this freedom as freedom just to do whatever you want without any guidelines or expectations or boundaries, you'll start stepping back in towards, towards unhealthy, ungodly, unwise decisions that will put you back in chains. That's why he says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh rather serve one another humbly in love for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command love your neighbor as yourself and if you bite and devour each other watch out or you will be destroyed by each other he gives us a warning that your flesh is going to try to hijack your freedom and here's the, re- the the title of this message is the fruit of freedom because your life will produce fruit. You hear me? Your life will produce fruit. <laughs> and it has the potential to produce really dangerous, deadly, destructive fruit, a really powerful, holy, fulfilling, satisfying fruit. See, a lot of times we think about the fruit of the Spirit, but Paul is about to also unpack the fruit of the flesh, that in this pursuit of freedom he's about to make us aware that there's a battle being waged in your soul and it is flesh versus fruit, spirit galatians chapter 5 look at verse 16 it says but i say walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh for the desire of the flesh is against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another in order to keep you from doing what you want. But if you were led by the spirit, you were not under the law. He says, be careful not to use the freedom that you've been given to indulge the desires of your flesh. Because this is what you need to know. There's a war being waged. Spirit versus flesh. Spirit versus flesh. That that flesh in you wants to take control and funnel that freedom in a really unhealthy direction. But there's also an opportunity now that Jesus has cleared the way for you to no longer be ruled by the flesh, but be led by the Spirit. And it's the life led by the Spirit that will take you to the fulfilling life that you're longing for. There's this constant battle at us. Flesh versus Spirit. And you need to know this. Because you can't win a war that you won't acknowledge is happening. You will not win a war that, that, that there, on the other side of salvation, there's still this... War being waged, the spiritual war for your soul that's continuing to happen, this battle that's happening in you. And he even says, okay, here's, I'll, I'll show you. This is what it looks like when the flesh is in charge, and this is what it looks like when the spirit is in control. That you can tell, it's very evident, Paul's about to even use that word, that a life ruled by the flesh produces this kind of fruit, And the law and a life led by the Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Go back in. Galatians chapter 5. Look at verse 19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy. Outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you. Just as I have forewarned you, those who practice such things will in- not inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul says the byproduct of. Of a life ruled by the flesh are all of these things that will always lead you to emptiness. That when the spirit is in control versus when the flesh is in charge, when the flesh is in charge, when we are ruled by the flesh instead of being led by the spirit, it produces these things. And these things that God is saying here, He's saying because they're not good, they're not healthy, they are destructive. They may produce some temporary pleasure. They, even, they may produce some form of worldly happiness at times. It'll be short-lived. But these things are not what God desires and designed for you. They will not lead you to the life that God wants you to have. They will not lead to fulfillment that everything that comes from the flesh is eventually destructive. Some of us know that. We know it real well and real personal, come on. We've had those, we know what it's like to be led by our own flesh, our own selfishness, our own desires. We got the scars to show it. We've got the relationships that are broken because of it. We got the bank accounts in the red because of it. Like we know that there's a way that the Spirit wants to lead you that's gonna move you towards the abundant full life that Jesus died for you to have. He says, if you are ruled by the flesh, and we all have had those moments, but he said, there's, there's a life also when it's led by the Spirit, verse 22, but. But the Spirit, the, excuse me, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness And faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit as well. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, and envying one another. That when we live by the Spirit, the byproduct of that life leads to what you're looking for. Joy, peace, kindness, self-control. That's why when people get in this and they start talking about religion and all this confusion, I'm like, we all, don't we all, we all want joy. There's something hardwired in you longing for peace. Come on. We all, I think a lot of us, we want most of the same things. We just get confused about how to attain them. And we start buying into another pathway, and God's like, the only pathway is through the death, resurrection, and life of Jesus and the Holy Spirit living and active in your heart to help you move forward toward who you were supposed to be in the beginning. And we all know this war. Paul would tell the Roman church something very similar. Go to Romans chapter 7, pick it up with verse 4. It says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you also were put to death in regard to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. Verse 5, for while we are in the flesh, the sinful passions which were brought to light by the law, brought to light by the law, were at work in the parts of our body to bear fruit for death, But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the spirit and not in oldness of the letter. That there's a spirit working in us that Christianity is not and has never been about behavior modification. It is about heart transformation. And what we try to do is modify our behavior before we allow the spirit to transform our heart. And you get them in reverse order and it will not work. There's a way that he wants you to live. A way that leads to life and fulfillment and joy. And we feel that war. Because we've had moments when we see that flesh come out. when you're driving in the car, and they cut you off. there's a, And you know what? Paul even talks about this war in his own self. If you go read all of Romans 7, he says, man, I don't understand what I do. I don't do what I want to do, what I want to do, I don't do, and it's this war waging in me. And I don't understand why I'm doing some of the things that I'm doing. You ever been there like, I don't understand why I'm doing this? You ever had that moment You ever had something come out of your mouth and you're like, like, just you just wish you could snatch it back and put it, because you're like, why did I say that? Why did I let my temper get, why? Because there's a war going on in you, and if you let your guard down for a moment, the wrong thing will win. If you disconnect from the spirit for a second, the wrong thing will win. If you're not doing everything within your power to stay connected to his power, the wrong thing will when. The Paul says, in your freedom, don't let the flesh convince you to walk a path that you know will only lead back to chains. That if you let your flesh win out and move you towards those things that are destructive, it is not going to end well. And this is, this is, again, it's not about walking in, in some weird guilt-driven compliance like we talked about earlier in this series, or even fear-driven obedience. It's love, walking in a love relationship with Jesus all of your days, getting to know him better and letting him into your heart and to mold you and transform you and change you and build the things in you and your life, the spiritual muscle to endure the temptations of this life. And when you're living in that love relationship with Jesus, what's produced in your life is something of power and beauty. So much so that next week, we're going to start a series called Fruitful, where we walk through these fruits of the Spirit and talk about how they look different in a life lived in love with Jesus. Because you know what? There's a different way the Bible says love is supposed to exist that's what's concerned we talk about love and patience and kind, patience and kindness and all these things and some people say well well that's connected to every religion it is but there's something different when you walk it and how it moves and plays out in your life when you're connected to the one and only true god but today there's one thing that we need to wrestle with before we move forward Because Paul also gives us great insight into the front lines of this battle. That this war, flesh versus spirit, its front lines is between your ears. That it is being waged in the battlefield of your mind right here and right now, even in this room. Go to Romans chapter eight. Look at verse 5. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life He says, so much of this war is waged in your head. It's in your mind. And I can point, I've got 10 or 15 other references that I'm probably not even gonna have time to get to of where Paul talks about this, where scripture points to the reality of what's happening in your head is making a huge difference in what's coming out of your life. That you are always going towards, as I heard, I think Craig Groeschel just wrote a book, toward the direction of your strongest thought That your mind is where all this stuff is happening because what's in your head, what you allow to run around in your brain has the potential to ruin your life. What you allow to run around in your mind has the potential to ruin your life. And one of the main reasons why this is the front line is because that's where the enemy loves to play. The devil's never made you do anything. Come on, stop giving him so much doggone credit. <laughs> I'm not saying he's not a formidable foe, but he is not. Ne- he is never the only thing. The only skill Satan has is the power of suggestion. What? Let me tell you. Let me let you in on his game. He wants to sow seeds of deceit and doubt in the garden of your mind That's what he's doing constantly because see he the flesh produces a certain kind of fruit your mind is that garden and whatever you're sowing in it is what's being produced in your life Oh come on it's good it's good preacher thank you What your Constantly, all the way back to the Garden of of Eden, that's what he did. He sowed seeds of, of deceit and doubt. And if he can sow seeds of deceit and doubt, eventually, if you let those take root, it will produce disobedience. Because you'll start to question if God said it. Did he say it? What does it mean if he did? And if he keeps sowing seeds of deceit and doubt, and if you keep allowing that to happen... While wow, scripture talks about guard our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus. Whatever is sown in your mind is eventually gonna come out. Ain't nobody in this room has ever sowed watermelons and seen cantaloupes. I'm not a gardener, but I know no It just doesn't happen. You can't keep sowing seeds of deceit. You can't keep sowing seeds of lust and expect to produce purity. You can't keep sowing seeds of insecurity and expect to be confident. So he says, set your mind. That means it is an intentional, willful, daily decision. Set your mind. On what you know, the way it says in Philippians, Rhonda, go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Set your minds because your mind will tend to drift, because the enemy will come and try to pull it towards other things and he'll use everything he can he'll put an image in front of your face in hopes that a thought gets in your brain and what Jesus is trying to do what he desires to do is rule your heart and renew your mind Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that spirit wins out over flesh, so that the fruit of your life is joy and peace, patience, kindness, self-control, gentleness. And I don't know about you, but our world needs a whole lot more of those things, especially from people who claim to know Jesus. So what's in your head? Abuse your freedom, follow your flesh, end up back in chains. But be led by the Spirit. Because of a God who can transform your heart and renew your mind. And what will flow from your life will be all the things He intended. So you bow your heads, close your eyes with me for just a second. What dominates your brain? What dominates your mind? What dominates your thoughts? You know. You know the seeds that the enemy's trying to plant in the soil of your mind in hopes that it'll produce something negative. in so hopes it'll produce the sexual immorality and the impurity and the deceitfulness and all these terrible, destructive things. God is right there with His Spirit trying to plant seeds as well through the truth of His Word, through the power of community with His people, trying to sow seeds of holiness and righteousness in your spirit and today's the day to make some changes to set your mind not set it and forget it but to remember to set it constantly it's not even a, a once a day thing it's a constant setting and resetting and setting and resetting to keep our minds from being pulled towards things that lead to death instead of life God, I pray that you would give us the strength and courage to do something different when we leave this space today, to be more aware of what we're consuming that's leading towards thinking. And this isn't about the power of positive thinking. This is about a renewed, transformed mind by the Holy Spirit of God. And God, help us to lean into you and your power and allow you to work in our lives to produce the transformation in us that you desire, the transformation made possible through the gospel of Jesus. That it may produce the fruit that our world desperately needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if God is working in your life, if you're making decisions throughout this series, maybe you've put your faith and trust in Jesus for the first time or made a new commitment to Jesus, or maybe you're ready. Next week we're going to have baptisms in all three of our gatherings. If you're ready to take a next step. Jump on that app. Let us know. Have the courage to go beyond just sitting in that seat and reach out and let us come alongside you and help you in your faith. We love you guys. Thank you so much for worshiping with us. We hope you have an amazing week. We will see you next time. Give God some glory on your way out. Thanks for listening to the Venice Church Podcast. We hope what you have just heard has inspired you to live and love like Jesus. If you'd like to know more about Venice Church or to get further connected, we invite you to visit us at our website at VeniceChurch.net. We'd also encourage you to download the Vintage app. There you can find more resources about how to get involved and grow in your faith. You can access the Vintage Church app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your spiritual journey, and we hope to see you soon.